You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, welcome to CarCast. We've got an exciting show. We're going to do some updates of uh, Bill going to the Bondurant School and a uh, big track day with the guys from Speedcore and uh, some crazy supercars. And he'll tell you what his favorite supercar was to drive out there. And, uh, you know, before we get started, I'm going to tell you about Geico. we got a new Geico ad. Here you go. Do you own or rent your home? Well, sure. It doesn't make a difference. I bet uh, it, it can be uh, it can be hard work renting or owning. Who knows what? So you know what's easy, though, is bundling your policies, your insurance policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Well, with Geico.com, you can get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Go to Geico.com today. That's Geico.com to get your bundled insurance quote. Hey, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, and Bill Goldberg calling in uh, from his... From his lovely compound in Texas, with the animals and the cars, <laughs> and the uh, and by the way, when I say the animals, I don't mean like his wife and son. I mean like the actual animals, guys. Uh, and we don't uh, mean dogs and cats either. Yeah, right. Yeah, not dogs and cats either. Um, we'll we'll have to uh, re-interview the donkey that you have running around because the last time he chimed in. Um, so he was. No, uh, the other one's pissed off. He wants to be. He wants to be known now. So uh, right, <laughs> Donkey Dinkus doesn't want to do it, but uh, <laughs> Corporal Crunch will do the interview. <laughs> is it? Wait, is that really their names? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> My, Wanda calls me Captain Crunch. I guess because I'm I'm always in the best mood, and so the little one is not. You know, is not the happiest uh, donkey. So she named him Corporal Crunch. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. <laughs> so there was a there was a lot going on. Um, hectic schedules of running around. I uh, somehow you and I both ended up in Arizona and didn't run into each other. But did you happen to swing by Barrett Jackson at one point? Did you walk through? Ab- absolutely not. No, I I would not get sucked into that because if I did when on Sunday when I was there, I would still be in Scottsdale. Yeah. So, so uh, they, uh, Sunday night, they do their, their opening night gala event. And uh, they, it's, it's, it's basically kind of like what you see on TV. There's, there's the stage where the cars are, they auction the cars. There's the huge like line of chairs where all the bidders are. And then there's the skybox areas where they clear out all those chairs and they put some tables and some bar stools and and they you know whatever they host a big they host a big party they get put a big band up on stage they play music all night people jumping around having a good time and basically if you have a bitter pass you're invited to this opening uh, gala event which is nice and then the skybox areas are the you know the sponsored ones and then there's the Craig Jackson skybox that. Uh, uh, very fortunate to get invited to hang out there year after year. And for the gala event, I was up there again. So I got a nice little view of of this party. I've never gone to the gala event before, and uh, so it was nice to be invited to go. 
And uh, yeah, so I went to that. And because I've got to be here, we've got to be in the studio, we've got to do podcasts. I flew out there on a Sunday morning, checked into a hotel, got dressed, went to the gala event, went back to the hotel, packed up my shit and flew back out on Monday morning and uh, early first thing Monday morning. And uh, here we are back in the studio recording some shows. And when we're done with this today, I'm going to go back and uh, jump on a plane again and head back out to uh, Arizona Auction Week or Scottsdale Auction Week. And uh, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to swing by RM Auction. I'm going to swing by Gooding and Company, and I'll swing by Barrett Jackson. I know there's a bunch of others: Russo and Steel, Silver Auction, whoever else is out there. It's tough to get to all of them. Um, and, uh, and and Bill, you know how these things are. Like you want to go, you want to see all the cars and stuff, and see some of the auction. But also, it's just like it's a big kind of a uh, uh, social, uh, you know, event. And there's so many people out there that you know, and people that you want to connect with that you don't normally get to see all the time. And you know, some of the East Coast people are flying out for the event, and you know, so there's always a lot kind of going on, uh, lots of people to meet and see and, and catch up with. So. Uh, yeah, it's more of a social social gathering, but you know, uh, with, with this car culture and with these auctions, I mean, obviously uh, and noted quite often. I mean, it's we got a lot of friends everywhere, and it's a great great time to rekindle those relationships. But truth be told, I want to look at cars. I know, so, so you know, it's really hard to go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's great to see you as you're staring at a Boss Four Twenty Nine or something. You know. It, it is. So the plan has been for the last few years, it's worked out pretty good. My buddy uh, Tyson Sullivan is a, is a good friend of mine, actor. His dad's out there. His brother, uh, his brother-in-law's retired uh, baseball player, uh, Brett Wallace. Uh, they're all out there. They love uh, going to those events as well. So what we try to do is we try to plan to hit – at least the three auctions, Gooding, RM, and, and Barrett-Jackson. We try to see as many cars as we can in the mornings, and then we keep the afternoons or the evenings for as many as the meet and greets. So we kind of go in incognito in the mornings. We'll hit uh, Gooding uh, one morning, uh, RM one morning. Uh, Thursday, we like to go to uh, Barrett and basically just walk – Almost every aisle. Just look at whatever they have, 2,000 cars. Just kind of go up and down and see everything. And then uh, in the afternoon, just start uh, you know making all of our appointments and our, our times to meet people and things like that. So it's, we do try to get uh, quite a few cars. I, I went a couple of years ago. Um, Tyson and I and my little brother – went with us and you know he's he's got his head in his phone and he's looking down and he's texting people whatever and I said hey come with us and we were in the line for for the Dodge Hellcat uh Charger uh ride and drive and um and he didn't yeah I don't know why he didn't get this he didn't know this but um but you know he heard the cars in the background. He wasn't really looking up. We were in line, and I said, "We're just going to go for a quick little ride. This guy's going to take us from here to there. It's almost like an Uber." And he wasn't doing the math on it. So Tyson and I got in the back seat. He got in the front seat. The Dodge guy was like, "Hey, welcome to the ride and drive event. We're going to go for a ride." And he just took off and starts drifting. My brother's like, "What the? What the hell?" 
I just start screaming. And I was like, I was like, you kind of need to pay attention, buddy. If you had your head in your phone the whole time, you'd know what we were doing. You'd see people's reactions out they're getting out of cars. <laughs> he's never done anything like that before. He's not really a, a car guy. He's the, he's the gay chef, right? So uh, uh, he was, he was kind of thrown off, but he enjoyed it a lot. And now every year he's like, are we going to Barrett Jackson again? I was like, yeah, yeah, come meet us out there. On uh, on Saturday, so that was kind of a fun thing. So we're gonna go. We're gonna see the cars. The gal event was fun. Um, I sat up there uh, and got to chat with uh, with Peter Brock, and we had just done the premiere here in L.A. for the Shelby American documentary, and uh, so we saw Pete there. Um, and Pete, you guys know, uh, listening to the show, Pete Brock uh, worked for Shelby in the day. He designed the Daytona Coupe when uh, when they wanted to run Le Mans. The Cobra would only do like 160-something miles an hour on the Mulsanne Strait uh, at, at Le Mans. So they needed a more aerodynamic coupe, and he designed the Shelby Daytona or the Shelby Daytona Coupe as some of us may know it, and immediately was like 20 miles an hour faster, like 190-something miles an hour. So he did that, and then he went on to design the uh, the uh, 63 split-window Corvette when he was a young designer at GM as well. And then, of course, all the BRU Datsun racing fame and things like that. We've got a few of his cars over here. Um, so yeah, uh, I sat with him for a while and had a nice chat, had a couple of drinks, and uh, and it was a good time. He was all fancy in a tuxedo, uh, and then uh, before the you know before the auction actually opens, we walked around a little bit of the salon collection and saw some of the cars and 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 you're right. As we started getting further down the line, uh, I was like, ah, this is going to take me all night if I'm going to go and see all these cars. And then finally, somebody from Barrett Jackson's like, yeah, we're closed. You have to come back tomorrow. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> I was like, God. thank you for that, because I was just getting into the good stuff, and I knew I was going to be like, oh, I got to go back and you know, log on to the old uh, bank account, see what's going on in there, and uh, and uh, see what uh... – oh, the other thing is, is the tax man just hit me up. My accountant's like, good news. You're only paying X percentage in taxes. Bad news is we need half of it today. <laughs> I was like, oh, you cut it into my Barrett-Jackson money. <laughs> I was gonna call it. I was gonna call it BJ money, but that's something different. So it kind of into my Barrett Jackson money, (laughs) and uh, uh, so looking forward to uh, to that event. There's some cool cars coming up there. Um, I want to get into what you did this weekend as well, but a little preview is uh, later this week. The show that I do with Adam, we are going to tell you about a car that we did buy at auction bought a car at Meekum Auction over the phone on Saturday. And uh, tune in to that later this week to find out what that is. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. So, uh, uh, so, we'll get looking, so looking around at all these auctions, you know, yeah. everybody's got the, the, the one or the five cars that, you know, they're concentrating on and that's, that's uh, uh, you know, they're advertising for each specific auction. Is there... Is there one that you've seen that if you had all the amount of money in the world that you would be there in two seconds to buy yet? Well, um, there's uh, there's always the the super expensive fourteen fifteen million dollar Ferraris and stuff that are out there. Um, I'm a big fan of the Jaguar XJ220. I've been talking about that for years. How it it used to be a couple of hundred grand, and now it's creeping up to five hundred. It's cool looking, futuristic. 
uh, a supercar, you know, the wheels are dated and the dash a little dated. But um, back in the day, it didn't do well because it was a turbo six-cylinder. And now we have like four GTs and all these great cars that are, you know, six-cylinders with turbos and, and it's becoming acceptable. However, um, I don't know if I'm rushing out to buy anything, but in my world, a lot of eyeballs are on two '93 Mustang Cobra R models. Uh, a buddy of mine was the guy that paid $120,000 for the R model last year at Barrett Jackson, and uh, kind of broke the record. And uh, and he's he's a good dude, and he's like, look. It, He's like, maybe I overpaid. Maybe I didn't overpay. It doesn't really matter. Uh, he goes, I wanted the car. I liked it. He's got a huge collection of Mustangs and Fox bodies and Celines and all kinds of cool stuff. Um, uh, and and by the way, like Grand Nationals and Camaros and Fire, you know, uh, uh, Firehawks and and all this uh, Trans Ams and and all this stuff. So he's got a cool sort of uh, the hairband collection of of muscle cars, the '80s cars, '90s cars. And uh, he was the first one to say, hey, I paid $120,000 for a Cobra R model. Uh, I don't know if it's worth that yet. I guess we'll see when another one or another one sells. And so there's two of them, I think, at Barrett-Jackson. One has like 33 miles. The other has like 320 miles. Um, and both of them could be in the six-figure estimates range. Um, however, looking at... At uh, I, I talked with him. He was over there and saw the cars. The one with 30-something miles on it, all those super low miles, wasn't stored correctly. And this is important because, uh, Bill, you had uh, you bought two demons and you took the black demon and you parked it in the garage and you put it in the giant air bubble. And, you, you know, it was basically like it was in, uh, you know, just like in the operating room, super clean. Um, and that is very smart. This whoever had the thirty-three mile uh, Cobra R, it wasn't stored properly. It's got some rust. It's got some damage. It's got some. It 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 doesn't present clean. It looks like it's an older car because of just the environment taking its toll on that car. Uh, where the other one with three hundred miles, and I don't know, there's much of a difference at this point of uh, between thirty and three hundred. Uh, that is the car to get. That's the much nicer, well-stored, well-cared-for car. Um, so it's a, it's kind of an interesting thing. You probably even did a bit, a little bit of research when you, when you got the demon to collect it. I don't know if you still have it or if you sold it or not. You were talking about maybe selling it at one point when you were moving or whatnot, but. Well, yeah, we took it to the Global Auto Salon, remember? Oh, yeah. yeah. So you got it at home? So it's home now? <laughs> oh, no, it's not home yet. Absolutely Oh, that's not. right. No, no, you still own it. It's just not home yet, uh, uh, which is uh, – uh, so, that's so weird. Uh, uh, I talked to somebody else, by the way. They said, yeah, our cars aren't home either. And I was like, how is that vent? They're like, we're probably not going back. But, uh, you know, maybe they need to work out some bugs for sure. But – uh, anyway, that's an important part of of how you store a car. If you plan on collecting a car or you plan on storing a car, even if your car's got 30,000 miles on it, you're like, you know what? I need to park it for a while. I'm going to let it go up in value. I'm going to collect it or I just don't have time to drive it. Uh, you know, do a little prep. Do a little, you know, you don't have to, you know, necessarily, you know, you know, stick that thing in a, 
in a in a bubble, but if you if you're able to, uh, I'm sure that helps a lot. But uh, yeah, you you want to you want to do some prep. Um, you know, maybe you flat spot the tires or something for parking. There's some things a way around that, and tires can be replaced. But uh, or you can put it up on you know up on jack stands and take the wheels and tires off. You know, there, there's some things like that you can do. Um, fuel system and stable in the tank and and whatnot. But uh, I'm surprised uh, by the uh, the amount of uh, the amount of damage negligence did to that car. But anyway, those are two cars that I'm interested in seeing, mostly because uh, I want them to do well. It helps the Fox body in the Cobra world, but it also legitimizes my buddy's purchase of a $120,000 93 Cobra R model last year. I think, uh, uh, I think he really wants those cars to do well because... Uh, his wife will be happy when he can justify it. Plus, for him in his head, it's a win-win. He's like, if they if they if they go cheap, he's going to buy them, and if they go for expensive, then he just increased the value of his car. So it's win-win. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, so that's that. Uh, tell me about uh, you said you were going to be heading out to uh, to Bondurant and uh and and thrashing some cars going out there with the speed core guys and the dodge guys uh tell us about that and then we can do a little follow up on uh on the cars and gearhead you know Mario from gearheads just stopping by your place he was on a plane well before i before i do that i'm going to tell you the one that i'm looking at oh yeah yeah auctions. i haven't i haven't gone top to bottom by any stretch of imagination i haven't seen dockets i'm just uh, telling you about the interest because of this popped up yesterday. Um, Meekin's got a 67 Copo Corvette ordered by GM designer Bill Mitchell set for auction. This was his wife's car to cruise yeah. around in. So a uh, 67 Copo Corvette, a one of one. Um, wow. That's the kind of car that I'd, I'd be looking at if I was out there this weekend, for sure. I would definitely take my ass over to meet him and check this thing out. You know, it's interesting you 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 mentioned that because this past weekend was uh was Meekum in uh Kissimmee. Kissimmee? Kissimmee. I don't know. I still Kissimmee. Can't Kissimmee. Yeah. Uh it was the Florida auction. That's where we purchased uh the car. Adam Crowell bought a car there. And um uh, I think a couple of months ago when they did one, they had a bunch of the old uh you know, uh, drag race cars, the Sox and Martin and things like that. And they didn't seem to do well. And maybe it was just the wrong time or something or wasn't getting the right promotion. But a bunch of those cars actually did really well at, at auction. And you're talking about like some drag race stuff, some Copo stuff, some pretty interesting uh, 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 cars, you know, in that muscle car world, some of the really significant cars. By the way, those cars selling, those gassers and those drag race uh, uh cars the 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 vega the pinto uh, the ford pinto uh that was up there um all of those cars going for big money is nothing but good things when it comes to the value of your lawman mustang oh no question <laughs> you know because uh, <laughs> that 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 florida meekum auction if it, the the takeaway for that is I think your lawman Mustang is going up in value as a result of that. Those cars are getting attention. They should get attention. They're all unique. They're, you know, maybe one of one. They have some drag racing history. 
all the road racing cars, the the Lamar cars, the Sebring cars, they've been getting a lot of attention and the big money. Uh, I think some of those drag racing cars deserve attention as well. And uh, and it was nice to see some of those cars, uh, some of them go for above the estimate, which is which was good. So, um, yeah, that's going to be uh, interesting to uh, to to see how those uh, how those cars go as well. Is it me? Yeah, I mean, anyway, it's, it's you know, from year to year, it's a yeah. it's a hit or miss. You know, um, it, it's amazing to see the lineage of those old drag cars and see how people present them, whether they restore them back to you know showroom or whether they keep the livery of the of the of the lineage of the car but uh you know each year it's uh, they're, they're definitely the ones that i look at because of the law man for sure but but let's get back to this weekend man yeah. you know i uh myself and uh dave Sabaggio from speed Corps and matt kutcher a bunch of friends of mine and a bunch of friends of his and mr ralph Giles. Mm-hmm. From Dodge and Fiat Chrysler, um, headed out to Bondurant. Um, Did I see Trosel out there? I saw Mark Trosel. No, Mark. Mark didn't make it out. Oh, he didn't make it out there. I thought I saw Mark. Mark didn't make it out. But you know, Frankie over at Bondurant was just absolutely. They opened up their their arms and their place for us, and we kind of had the run of it for the weekend, which was kind of amazing prior to the the auction week out mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. Scottsdale that, you know, it wouldn't be completely slammed, but, um, went out there to, uh, to have a little supercar, uh, entertainment, man. And we were, you know, it's not every day that you could get to drive a Senna, a, uh, four wow. GT, uh, four fifty eight, uh, performante, uh, five seventy, you know, um, I could keep going on and on and on, but you know, we, we went from car to car to car, comparing times, comparing, you know, the feelings of the car. And it was an unbelievable afternoon. It was one that can never be duplicated. I don't believe, but, uh, you know, that and, and having the speed core carbon fiber demon out there with six sets of tires from Nitto. Um, that was, that was kind of fun, but so who um, brought the cars we had out? an absolute blast. Who, who brought some of these supercars out there? Just different people or one guy or was just. How did that work? Who brought- oh, we we had we had one of our buddies bring him. Um, he will remain nameless. Okay, but um, but one guy uh, uh, kind of yeah, has it- a collection, and and you guys have worked with before, and uh, he's like, let's let's you know, if we're going to go out there, let's bring a few cars, and so you guys, Speedcore brought something. You sent the carbon fiber, uh, a, a car out there, and then he brought a bunch of supercars. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh- it, we were it, we killed two birds with one stone. It, they obviously didn't have any supercars, no no uh, nothing other than American Muscle out at Bondurant, which there's nothing bad about that. But it's it, it's it's interesting to be able to compare and contrast, and uh, that's why he brought all of his vehicles. And you know they were so nice. We didn't want to destroy all their their cars. We wanted to destroy a couple of his. <laughs> now, uh, was it just all road course stuff, or did you do some drag racing as well? Uh, How what did you guys end up? Obviously, you fried some tires. I saw I saw videos and pictures on your social media of that. So there, there was yeah, that we did for everything. Sure. We did everything but the drag racing aspect of it. You know, whether it was autocross or just right. Okay, free fly. You know, free forming it or uh, road course. Road course, pretty much. Um, although it was, you know, it, it was really cool. Like I said, to be able to do the Senna on an, on a, on an autocross and then get out and, you know, do the four GT and, and see, compare and contrast the two. 
Now, technology is an unbelievable thing. That's all I can say. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, did did you walk away? What what car did you like the most? What car surprised you the most? The 458 surprised me the most. The oh, car yeah. that I liked the most was the was the Santa because it's it's. I mean, it's a. You're not going to see very many of them. You're sure as hell not going to get the opportunity to drive it. It's such a unique looking car, and the technology is unbelievable in that it can make just about anybody drive that car well. Um, it's yeah. a little chattery. Um, yeah. You know, you you do hear a lot of the uh, a lot of the the uh, the ground noise, a lot of the uh, a lot of the, the rocks. Yeah, up. you know the rocks they hit um, like that carbon fiber bodywork like in the wheel wells and stuff without like you know the modern cars we have like sort of the plastic liner then there's sort of a gap in there and 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 uh and some of these cars they these supercars they don't have it it's just like carbon fiber in there with with you know uh and you you could hear it all it's terrifying. It's not terrifying but you're like ah you know am I doing damage to the car I mean it sounds so you know intrusive but um you know it's just it, it, it is what it is so the senna was fantastic the technology is great in that thing i'm sure there's several different modes and there's the track mode and the wing goes up and down and the car goes up and down and and the technology is is amazing i drove the 4gt as well at one point i haven't driven the, the senna i've driven pretty much all the other mclarens um and uh the you know look if the senna is the 720S is one of the most amazing cars I've ever driven in my life. And I had the opportunity to drive a few of them and and film quite a bit with them up at Angeles Crest. So uh, sort of almost like a track day for myself. It was a, it was a closed course, uh, but up in the canyons. And I was able to really get on that car um, legally. And uh, it's amazing. And if the Senna is even 10% more than a 720S, I couldn't imagine – what that equates to because the 720 is so amazing. So, and, and who knows, maybe the, maybe the center is 30% more. Um, it's just, uh, I can't imagine that. So, uh, no, it was amazing. And, and here, here's how good the center is. Mm-hmm. The center is so good that after getting out of it, um, after getting out of the four GT and then getting in the center, there was absolutely no comparison whatsoever. Yeah, that's that's interesting because uh, the the GT is pretty is pretty amazing as well. I I drove that one. I wasn't able to do a track day with it, but uh, I drove it. And um, you know that car, even driving around town, it, it's a little bump. You do hear a lot of the road noise and the rocks and stuff. It does kind of make you feel a little bit like you're hurting the car, although you're not. Um, I. Uh, th- th- it's it's interesting. But that four fifty eight, man, I'm telling you, the yeah, I was going to ask about performed, that. Next. Performed so well. Um, it wasn't surprising, but it was surprising how well it it performed. I mean, it was just a notch under, or if not, you know, right with the Senna. But they're two completely different driving cars, and you know, without a lot of seat time in each, you know, you surely can't take either one of them to the edge. Well, you can, you know, because of the technology, but you know, it doesn't feel very comfortable. But um, you know, I, I wish I had more time in both, but they were quite comparable. 
Yeah, I can I can imagine that as as amazing as those cars feel and how fast and capable they are, you you switch hands, you put you put one of those cars in the hands of a Dario Franchini, and you'd be like, oh, we weren't even scratching the surface of what this car is capable of doing. Uh, even when I went out and drove the new Shelby GT500 on the track, like I thought I was going out there and and, and pushing the limit. I was I was definitely sweating. My palms were sweating and my my sphincter was puckered, and then I took a ride with the Ford driver, and I was like, oh, my God. I wasn't even doing half of what this car is able to do. I was scaring myself, and then when I rode with him, I was like, you're blowing my mind. So I, I could you imagine going out there with a, you know, with a Franchini or a Tony Kanan or a Simon Pagano and going, hey, man, uh, I'll ride shotgun. You go do five fast laps in a Senna. <laughs> oh yeah i mean that what a trip that would be i mean i took laps with uh with danny sullivan one time up in aspen yeah. on a road or on an autocross or a road course and that you know it was it, he didn't screech a tire and he went around that track 10 times as fast as i did and i was all over the place it's just amazing it's it's amazing to see their precision and their knowledge and their ability to be as calm as they are. It's, it's, it's truly mind blowing for me. So, so the Ferrari did, what was it that was surprising? You thought you were getting into a luxury supercar with the nice leather and the stereo and then, and then what, and then it just actually performed better than you thought. Oh my God. Yes, absolutely. It was, it was right up there with the Santa two, like I say, two completely different fields. But, I mean, it was as smooth, and, I mean, you didn't hear a thing rattle on that car, the Ferrari, and, um, I mean, it was everything, it was so tight, it didn't push, it, it just, it was an absolute dream, you know, and, and I couldn't drive it very well at all, comparatively. The, the, the guy who impressed me more than anyone who actually, you know, blew me away was, was Gilles. I was just going to um, say that, Ralph's pretty good driver. Oh my God! It, not only is he good, he gets into it, and the amount of enjoyment on that man's face was was awesome. I mean, it was a couple of days for his birthday, and um, it was a great experience to get a guy out there who's you know nine times out of ten he's behind a desk, and, um, you know, representing a brand, and he actually gets out uh, a day with us and, and gets to relax, let his hair down, even though he doesn't have any, and have a good time. <laughs> yeah. I, I he posted a couple pictures of like of you know he he posted pictures of the Senna and him uh, looking at it and getting into it and just saying like this is this is kind of a this is kind of a a surreal experience as well. So uh, I knew you guys were out there and you're doing that and you're having a great time doing it. it seemed like everybody was having a great time. Uh, Ralph's such a great guy. We've uh, we were at the M1 concourse with him uh, a few years back, and he was showing us around and 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 a bunch of the cars. And then uh, you know we run into Monterey and stuff a bunch of times, but um, but uh, pretty interesting. So, what do you know about the current state of the Bondurin School? Of course, you know I, I love Pat Bondurin, I love Bob Bondurin, and you know. Uh, you know, un- unfortunate series of events. They weren't able to keep the school uh, for for themselves. Um, maybe some financial troubles, or just, or just maybe just Bob uh, getting older and older, and 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 not being able to give it to the attention that it needed. Um, so, uh, through some chain of events, it needed to change hands. Who runs the yeah, school and now? I, and I, 
Uh, well, you know, Frankie's the CEO over there. I don't know who the controlling entity is. Okay. But, you know, she pretty much runs runs the the operation, you know, on site. And, uh, you know, I called her with this idea of the guys coming out uh, uh, a number of months ago. And at the end of the day, it's about thinking outside the box. You know, we have a number of entities, businesses in this world that they stay they stay straight to the to the you know to the they stay straight uh, straight laced. You know, mm-hmm. nobody straddles that line. You know, nobody takes a chance. Well, I think it's time that Bondurant took a chance and uh, thought outside the box and whether it's you know opening up their facility to stunt driving or whether it's you know, having these, uh, these one day, you know, private experiences, I think that, um, the normal protocol hasn't worked as well as they thought. So I believe that they are going along with, uh, with the normal protocol, but adding, adding some other experiences and trying to think outside of the box at the same time. Yeah. Um, I, I'm very happy with, you know, I spent a lot of time there in two days. And whether it be the instructors or the people running the place, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying you know it's it's run a hell of a lot more smooth. You know, it's just, hey, I, we none of us want to say anything bad about Bondurant in the past or in the future. But I've I mean, always had a good time there. That, I've always had a good experience. Yeah, there. I've had a great time too. But the fact is, is that you know it was run into the ground. Whoever's fault it was, whatever happened, you know, it was a bad day for Bondurant, and hopefully. You know, this new company that's taken it over is going to uh, lead it to more prosperous times. And I truly believe that, you know, they're going to do it. Um, we've had a couple events there and, uh, they're, they're, they're just, they're wonderful. I mean, you got to go there and experience what they've got going on. Um, I think it should be a prerequisite for everyone who buys a Hellcat. Um, any horsepower, any high horsepower car over four or 500 horsepower. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a given that everybody should have instruction. So, you know, we, we've always said um, this before. Like, uh, obviously, a, a Dodge uh, stepped up their partnership and their sponsorship of of the Bondurant School. And and by the way, I, I like that they kept the name. It's a respectful to Bob. Uh, uh, but regardless of of what kind of car you're into or what you're a fan of, uh, if if you're into any type of enthusiastic driving, you know, on the track or otherwise. Uh, you should go to a driving school. You should go and really kind of experience. Even if if, if your budget's tight and you do like the half-day course, just go out there and, and talk with some of these instructors. Get behind the wheel on a closed-course environment and, uh, and, and kind of understand a little bit about uh, – about what some of these cars are capable of doing, and and you're, you're going to be you're going to feel better, you're going to feel safer uh, doing doing uh, going out there and checking it out. We've always said that, you know. I, I always feel like anybody who gets a license should go to, to you know, go do a one day course over there, but you know, not everybody can. Um, yeah, you know, and I, I think it's I think it should be a prerequisite. There's no question about it. Um, it would be nice if the Department of Transportation <laughs> made everybody do something similar. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That should make be, me feel a lot better. Yeah, uh, you and me both. Um, all right, before we uh, wrap it up, give us a little update on uh, on uh, on the time spent with uh, with Mario and Gearhead Fabrications. Last time we spoke, uh, you were you were getting the cars ready, and uh, they were flying in, and they were going to do 
uh, uh, look into your uh, the fuel pump issue or the uh, the the fuel level sender issue and uh, some tuning and and uh, you, maybe you're going to pick them up from the airport in your truck and go see my truck is so slow. <laughs> yeah, I didn't pick him up, but I did take him for a ride in it. Yeah, the red eye was the the red eye was the one that had the uh, fuel issue. The uh, uh, so that was rectified by the dealer the day before. Gearhead came in to take care of the uh, the carbon uh, the carbon Hellcat that Kubatat uh, and I took out and had a little bit of too much fun with and uh, destroyed the rear end in it. Oh, so, that's uh, right. Yeah. We that- yeah, we got a new demon rear end from uh, from Dad. Got the old one out, put the new one in. Took a couple minutes, and uh, then we rectified the uh, the the leak. It was a uh, oh, you the you know there's, the supercharger was leaking coolant. Yeah, 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 the supercharger was leaking. The the uh, overflow canister was compromised, and uh, as I thought it did not take them long to identify the leak um i couldn't get to it because it is you know all the way back back by the firewall um i couldn't even see it i could feel it but uh you know i don't want to start digging around in there mm-hmm. and uh, fortunately it was a it was just a failed fitting um very simple um took it out and had a lot of fun and now i think uh I think Mario is uh, searching for a six-speed. <laughs> he, <laughs> he had a lot of fun in that car, so um, you don't see many of them out there with eleven hundred horsepower. So um, it's it, the the car is absolutely awesome. So get ready to see me posting a lot of stuff. Yeah, um, now that it's back on the road and you got it home. Um, uh, again, this is the car that was over at SEMA. We took a bunch of pictures and saw it up at at, at SEMA. Uh, uh, in the MagnaFlow booth, um, but uh, awesome! It's very cool. I'm glad uh, that worked out. It was a successful trip for him. Uh, now, did he make it out to Bondurant as well to to drive or keep an eye on some of the cars, or or he was back at the shop? No, fortunately, we had all the mechanics from from Bondurant out there, and um, you know they know those Hellcats like the back of their hand, that and the red eyes. And, yeah. Um, no, he didn't make it out. Unfortunately, he. Uh, he um, got to go to work. He saved his token for the next trip. Yeah, he's got to go to work. So, um, yes, sir. Uh, for myself, uh, working on the uh, working on the lightning. Two little updates for you guys is uh, uh, first off, I sent the superchargers out to be rebuilt. As I told you guys, I, I put it up on social media as well. I took the Powerdyne supercharger and sent it out to be rebuilt, and I took the the old Vortex supercharger, the V2 that was on my BMW M3 that that seized up, I sent them both out to this uh, to 928 Sport Motorsports to get inspected and rebuilt. They said uh, we got the Pro Charger. We, uh, I'm sorry, not the Pro, the Powerdyne. It's like we uh, we cracked it open. Everything looks good. There's definitely room for improvement. They said, uh, you know, the, the the belt's a little stretched. The bearings are definitely worn, uh, not broken apart, but certainly uh, uh, causing some heat and some friction. And uh, and yeah, it's got a hundred thousand miles on it, but it, overall in fairly good shape. So they're going to rebuild that. They're doing the Super Power Nine upgrade, is what they call it, and it's got a uh, their patented impeller, and it's going to blow more air, basically at the same amount of of RPM. 
uh, upgraded ceramic bearings, um, rebuild the whole thing. It should come out great. And uh, uh, they have an upgraded belt. Um, yeah, there's going to be a limit to to what you can do with the Powerdyne. Again, we're just doing it so I can bolt it back on to see if we can make a little bit more power um, with the same setup. Eventually, we're going to swap the engine out and do something bigger. Um, uh, so this rebuilt Powerdyne should last another 100,000 miles or more. It should pump more air at the same RPM and uh, and last probably uh, theoretically last even longer because those belt driven superchargers they get heat in the case they're they're not oiled they they run dry so these guys also vent the case to let some of that heat out and uh, it really contributes to the longevity of the bearing so um so that's the first thing we're doing now the vortex we uh when I told you seized up on the m three the bearings broke apart. One of the little BBs of the bearing went right underneath the teeth of that gear and spinning that fast, it just locked up and almost welded itself. Uh, I've got pictures of it. Basically, like, welded itself to the case. So, um, and uh, and the uh, impeller, I think, nicked the inside of the casing. That can be repaired. And uh, 928 does their own impeller, so that's fine. They can swap out the bearings to an upgrade, which is fine. Um, but that main shaft with the gears on it, that's not something that uh, they make, and it's not something that Vortec typically sells. Um, I am meeting with them next week to see maybe I can get one. Now, here's the thing is we could fix it. I haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. I said, let me talk with the Vortec guys. We can take the shaft that's there and uh, and we can repair the teeth and get it to work fine. But repairing the teeth will take some filing and some things like that. And it, it'll, it'll make it more of it, – it'll probably make it louder. That's our concern. If you want a loud supercharger, then no problem. Um, but I'm concerned if if the strength of the metal has been compromised – and how loud will it be? Because when you basically like kind of file it down, it almost makes it like a straight cut gear um, is, is sort of the best way I can explain it. Um, I'm sure there's more details that I can get you guys. But um, uh, so the Vortec is salvageable and uh, and will be fine. Um, but I've got to make a decision if that's the way I want to go and will I use that or not. But, uh, but for as far as just some A-B testing, we'll probably uh, – we're going to do the power dime. We're going to put it back on there. We're going to run it again and see if we make like an extra pound of boost or so given at the same RPM just to see if we're making more power. Well, if you have an old supercharger, is it worth rebuilding or is it worth rebuilding and upgrading? So uh, did that. Uh, and then the other thing is – very common on these uh, on the Ford trucks, the Broncos, the F one fifties, all in that sort of that early nineties era, mid nineties, is the PSOM, the P S O M. It's the gauge cluster behind the speedometer. There's a board, there's a little computer board in there, and uh, and it it's um, it helps to control. Uh, shift harshness with the transmission, the uh, uh, when it shifts and how it shifts. And I ran into a few issues. Is I think there's a shift kit in my stock transmission, which is making it a little bit harsh, but also a bad PSOM can contribute to that. And then as I was at at wide open throttle, 
When I hit about 4,000, maybe 41, 4,200 RPM, at wide open throttle, it doesn't shift. It kind of holds it there and runs out of breath. And if I let off the gas a little bit, then it'll kick into that shift. So there was something wrong with that. And I couldn't say for sure if it was the PSOM or the transmission, but process of elimination, I took the gauge cluster out. I sent it out to a company called Cluster Fix. They rebuilt the PSOM. They do some soldering, some new chips, and they basically make it bulletproof. While they were in there, they restored the gauge cluster for me as well. You know, any fading on the orange needles and polish the lens, and they they do a whole thing and they make it kind of nice for me. So um, I just got it back. I haven't installed it yet, um, but uh, we'll see if that makes a difference as well. We had some problems on the dyno over at Banks on getting the dyno to to work well. Um, uh, but uh, anyway, that's that. So um, anyway, that's enough. We're gonna do. Uh, we got a let the studio go so we're going to wrap things up and uh, bill i know you've got to run as well so uh let's uh let's we'll have some updates next week oh next week's we're gonna have some updates possibly from the auctions but i believe we might be having our buddy alistair weaver come in and maybe give us a ces recap and some other things as well so uh and bill maybe you're off to film some ncis Los Angeles. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'm getting on a plane here in a couple of hours. Yeah, maybe you're going to do it. Um, all right, we're going to let things go. We're going to let you go to the airport and do your thing, and I'm going to go catch a flight to Arizona. Uh, thanks, Bill. Thanks for the updates. I'm glad you had fun at Barrett Jackson or at uh, Bondurant. And uh, until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. And your hair on your head. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. CarCast Show.